Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven. I'm Darling Kamiri with me as always on the steps. And today we've got Pogo, the DJ from Perth, Australia. Uh, you may know him from YouTube. He does really cool remixes uh, using Disney movies and Muppets and Star Trek and Wizard of Oz. And he's got his own albums out. And uh, we actually got to sit down and talk with him today. It should be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. It's awesome listening to all the remixes he's got online and him taking pretty much any movie you can think of and mixing it around. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get him on the line and uh, have fun. Can't wait. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hey, what's up, dude? How's it going, guys? Not good. How are you in uh, Australia? Hot. Hot as hell. You wouldn't want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like over there? Whereabouts are you guys? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh Yeah, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we've had a very mild winter, so it's been 70s and 80s here. It's been kind of weird. Oh, that's right. You guys are on Fahrenheit over there. Yes, we are. Uh, Okay, 70. Let me do a conversion on that real quick. What have you guys got there? So 70 Fahrenheit in Celsius is... You guys got to get on the metric system. <laughs> nah, man, I like being the last holdout. That's it. Yeah. We just got to hold out for a little bit longer. You know, yeah. we we obstinate Americans. Uh, 21 degrees, that's a nice temperature. That's very pleasant. It is, but in February, it's weird. Yeah. Sweet <laughs> wait till, uh August when it's 805 degrees outside. But I'm sure you guys know what that's like down in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's been very hot lately. I'm looking forward to winter. I sort of find winter to be more like uh, invigorating. It's more refreshing. The the summer kind of gets me downtrodden and makes me get saps my energy away. It really does, man. I agree. But well, we're we're opposite, right? So our summer is your winter and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's in the middle of summer. Oh, that's crazy to think about. Very weird. Yeah. So I saw I saw the other day your video up of you getting your Switch. Uh, what do you think of it so far? I know a lot of people here have been loving it. I really like it. Like at first I thought, oh, they're trying to combine two markets that don't really hang out together. But then I found out that, no, it's actually quite small and compact. It's super easy to play with. I like the fact I can have my hands free to part on the couch. Like mm. I can just be having hands by my side. And I can still play because there's no necessary attachment between the two Joy-Cons or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really like that. Yeah. What about you guys? Have you guys tried this thing yet? Yeah, I got a chance to play around with one for a little <clears throat> bit. It was a lot lighter than I expected. I expected it to Wrong. be just a little heavier than that. But no, it's, it seems really nice and, like you said, compact. I think it's going to yeah. make playing on the go a lot better than I expected it to be. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think I got I, to play it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think attaching and reattaching the Joy-Cons to the side of the screen can get a bit tedious after a while. I would have preferred to see some kind of snap-in system. Instead, you've got to find the groove, and then you've got to slot it all the way down. Mm-hmm. But I think they've thought it through really well. And it's interesting you can turn one of the Joy-Cons on its side and use that as a controller in itself, albeit with only one thumbstick. Mm-hmm. 
Like classic style? Yeah, like classic style, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it's interesting, hey? I'd, uh, I'd, I got to play one. I was at GameStop uh, Friday, and um, I picked up Fallout 4 again because that's my drug of choice. And um, but one of the one of the associates had uh, he got the Zelda skinned switch and nice. I actually got to play Zelda for a few minutes. It was quite impressive. I liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm amazed by how much they've added to the Zelda game without making it too complicated. Like they've kept it really, you know, short and sweet and to the point. And yet at the same time, you've now got a cooking system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's t- world um you can do anything you want at any point in time it kind of reminds me of the witcher it reminds me of red dead redemption and maybe even uh, fallout 4 to some point it gives you the same freedom nice yeah. i was about to say it looked a lot more like a, a full-on rpg zelda yep i kept messing around with my yep. brother yesterday he brought it over and was trying to show me wanted me to play it i was like no get it away from me i'm gonna get mine soon enough i want to play it from beginning to end <laughs> and, and take your yeah. time there's little secrets everywhere to be found. Don't rush through. I kind of learned that the hard way. I've, I've left the, the, the starting area, I think, a little too soon because I've still only got so many hearts. Uh-huh. It's getting my butt kicked all the time, so it's, I think I've got to head back <laughs> up a bit, yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot of that, people say that with it being one of the only major launch titles, at least it's got pretty much an infinite number of playing hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's how I was with Skyrim. Probably. Think, sorry, the previous one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I was with Skyrim. I'm like, I'm gonna run in this cave really early, and oh, okay, so that thing just one hit shot me across the room. I bounced off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, your, your failings are your own fault in Skyrim and Fallout Four. Absolutely, there's no, uh, the game never really screws up for you. It's always your choice to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do it. Oh, nope. No, I can't. I was wrong. Those frost trolls will get you, boy. Yeah, I came in. I came in the other day, and I had picked up... um, See, the Xbox One, I got Injustice Gods Among Us again, because it's backwards compatible. And then I got uh, Watch Dogs 2, because it was on sale. And then uh, my wife saw the Fallout 4 case again, and if her eyes had rolled any harder, they'd have dropped out of her face and rolled across the floor. (laughs) Because <laughs> she's like, again? I'm like, oh yeah, uh, again. Yeah, it's going to be pretty much the same look when I walk in the door of the Switch. I just got a <laughs> PS4, so if I walk in with the Switch, I'm probably just going to get it's, stared at. Because there's not really anything available for it apart from Zelda. You go on the eShop and it's it's just a tumbleweed kind of goes across the screen. <laughs> I know there was one F-Zero looking game for like 20 bucks on there. I saw it looked like, like yeah, yeah, it's like Wipeout meets mm-hmm. F Zero looking game yes. on there. Something. Yeah. I just want to play Bomberman. Mm-hmm. I almost want to play Bomberman more than I want to play Zelda. Mario Kart. I'm sure there will be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they get the they're redoing. What is it? Eight was the last one, right? They're supposed to be putting that whatever the last one was on the Wii U. They're supposed to be putting that out on the Switch with more yes. tracks and few yeah, more people. The version, that's right. Yeah. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Especially on and the I go. To come out on the Switch as well, but that doesn't look like it's reared its head yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they got a new Sonic game coming yeah. out too. Sorry? Actual, 
they had a new Sonic the Hedgehog game coming out. It's like a 2D platformer, oh, oh. like the old ones. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I just want my 2D Metroid game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want another one. Well, that's there's a game on PS4 called Axiom Verge, which looks very Super Metroid-inspired. Nice. Yeah, um, I've very often thought about getting it because I love the I love the Super Metroid. Yeah, that 2D mm. and the sound design is just amazing for such an old game. Exactly. Absolutely. It's yeah, nothing's really topped it to this day. I don't think. <laughs> no. That's why I'm saying like the Prime games and Hunter and all that. I, that that's great, but I want my 2D Metroid back. Yeah, I just want a good Metroid game. game. Yeah. Uh, so, what got you started? Um, what? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You about the podcast you guys run? What? How did you guys start this? It was a chance meeting on Twitter. <laughs> we just started talking one day, and we should do a podcast. All right, yeah. let's do it. Two yeah. nerds collided, and yeah. uh, we started writing articles. Um, he already had a blog site up, and I was like, well, I write. And we started writing articles, and then we started talking more and more on Skype, and we were like, we should just record these conversations. And I'll tell you what, it's been kind of awesome. We had, uh, we've had Kyle Hebert on. Um, He's the voice of Gohan and the narrator for Dragon Ball and a bunch of other animes. And wow. Rob McCollum, we've uh, kind of partnered with Michael Mentime for uh, Mutant Football League, getting built. We've helped with the Kickstarter and all that. and It's just been really fun. Wow. And, I li- <clears throat> and I'm a big Crowder fan. So uh, that's actually how I found your music was his bumpers are. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Crowder big time. He's given me a lot of hits, I think. He's, yeah, but that Wizard of Mel one, that's the one that sticks out. And I was like, you know what? That dude's awesome. And I heard your Crowder episode, and I was like, I'm going to ask him because he's into the stuff we're into, and I like his stuff. So it was awesome. Absolutely. I'm happy to be on, for sure. <laughs> what got you started doing the videos on YouTube, you know, cutting up the different movies and making remixes out of them? Um, well, uh, the girlfriend I had at the time had brought her, uh, Alice in Wonderland home on DVD for whatever reason. And, um, I was listening to it and there was this artist by the name of Akufen, A-K-U-F-E-N. Mm-hmm. And he makes music entirely out of sounds he records from his radio, his old radio tuner with all the fuzz when you go between the stations. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, this is amazing. He's creating melodies using these microscopic little sounds that you would never think possible. And I thought, what if you did that, but only with a film? Like, what if you took Alice's voice and you took the sound effects of the flowers in the garden and the mushrooms and all that, and you used only those sounds to make beats and chords and melodies? And so that's kind of how it started. And from there I took off. I did uh, Terminator 2. I've done Scarface. (laughs) I've done uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's been a lot of fun. That's yeah, it's, awesome, man. It's awesome. We found the uh, the Muppet Treasure Island one you did. And oh, yeah. Oh, is that on SoundCloud, is it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not happy with that track at all, but okay. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I'm a big Jim Henson uh, fan, and so is Step. So. Mm-hmm. 
am as well, but no, that's just a stupid thing. I whacked together after a long hiatus, and I'd love to go back and um, do something official with that film for the YouTube channel because I love that film. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, that one and I'm up at Christmas Carol are like my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had Hans Zimmer scoring that movie for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, did. <laughs> So what's a movie that you want to do that you haven't got a chance to sit down and try out yet? Uh, there's a movie called Her. I think it was released 2013, and it mm-hmm. starred Yoke Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one where he falls in love with the, the AI, right? And AI, that's right. Yeah. And that's fantastic. It's so believable as like, like you can really believe that's, how your, that's what your phone is going to be one day. It's going to be a companion. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, yeah, I really want to do some of that film because Yokane's got such a great vo- great voice, and so does Scarlett, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Incidentally, I-, I heard someone dumped Scarlett Johansson, and <laughs> uh, that's well, we... it's like you know you don't get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, that that's that's the top of the uh, the hierarchy. Like you know you don't get better than Scarlett. <laughs> no, I was I was on the news. <laughs> Not long ago, someone, someone, someone gave her the uh, the thumbs down or something like that. Bloody hell! That's crazy. Start That's questioning crazy. people's life decisions at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys have? You got? I haven't seen Rogue One yet. I've seen the four, so I haven't seen Rogue One. What do you guys think? Amazing. Oh, Rogue Piece One of cinema. is one of my favorite mm. Star Wars movies ever, and that means a lot because it's okay. Yeah. Better than Force, really? Okay. Oh yeah. Go and see this thing. It was you, you really do. It's it's beautiful. In fact, uh, we had tickets that my uh, my youngest um, got for her birthday. We got two movie passes, and we were going to the theater, and she wanted to go see Sing originally, but we got there too late, and so I was like, "Well, let's go do Star Wars Rogue One because Daddy doesn't make selfish decisions." And um, we went in, and she looked over at me during it, and she was like, "I'm glad we went to this one instead." It, no, it's it's so good. It is yeah. so good. Anything, It'll make you want to go home and immediately watch A New Hope. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. yeah. I didn't like The Force too much. I thought it was a little bit too much of a flip book of, you know, characters and events that were already perfected by better films decades ago. You know, right. you've got your star in there. You've got your Yoda. You've got your father-son conflict. You've got your dream sequence. You sort of think, yeah, I see what's going on here. Mm. Um, I've been told, however, that the Force has a bit more heart and soul to it than Rogue. What do you guys think about that? I actually have to disagree with that. I got way more emotional responses watching Rogue One than Force Awakens. Of course, you know, spoilers, what happens to Han was terrible right? in in Force. But, like... I think you know, no, just... you know, nobody makes it in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So, you, so they did a beautiful job of only taking a couple hours and making you invested in these characters and seeing the nobility of their mission. Right. And you know, it's it's a much more grounded Star Wars. Yeah. Um, the big battle at the end is more a very well done World War II movie than a pew 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 in space fighter movie. You know. I get you. And yeah. people are so invested in the characters in The Force Awakens that with it being, you know, 
Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke at the very end, that people are so invested in those characters that it brings out that that more heart kind of feeling. Being introduced to the newer characters in Rogue One, I thought it was amazing, especially for pulling off a Star Wars movie without you know the lightsaber fights and all that mm-hmm. crazy stuff. I was like, eh. and I held out for a while, and then finally my dad was like, no, no, we got to fix this. So mm-hmm. we saw it, and yeah, um, there's a few um, CG characters, like CG humanoid characters in the in Rogue. Not as many yeah, as in great. other movies. It's it's definitely more about people in this one. I mean, they're, the Easter eggs that they put in Rogue One aren't wasted. And if you haven't seen it, there's only a couple Easter eggs, but they are not wasted at all. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a lot of throwback to the other movies because this is, you know, going forward, this is supposed to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's supposed to be before we've met Luke Skywalker, before we've seen an old hermit Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it's Mm -hmm. the Easter eggs are, yeah, they're very well used. I I preferred it. It's probably one of my favorite star Wars movies out of all of them. That's good. Um, yeah, I really need to go see this thing. I remember, um, there was a video where someone's put the, the general talking scenes from rogue one into an edit on YouTube Mm -hmm. so that you can self, um, what the CG is like, because obviously he's totally computer-generated talking in Rogue. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say it's totally... Uh, um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's perfect. I'd say... Uh, yeah, the thing that I'm finding is video games are looking so good now. Mm-hmm. You know, like Uncharted 4 just looks stunning on PS4. I've yeah. played it through a few times. Not much of a game, but graphically and in terms of story, it's it's just hell of a piece of work. But because graphics are getting so good, I'm finding that CG in movies is becoming more noticeable. You're getting more trained up to it. Mm-hmm, right. Like, you watch the new Jungle Book. I'm going to put money down that 90% of that jungle is CG. I don't think there's much in that film yeah. that's shot with real cameras, to be honest with you. And um, you, you, you feel like you're playing a PlayStation game watching a movie. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I've noticed that too, especially, like I said, I just got a PS4 a couple of days and going back and playing The Last of Us. Um, mm-hmm. Watching the graphics when that game started, uh, Resident Evil 7, just played through that. When that game first starts and you're in the car, the graphics yeah, amazing. are amazing. Yeah. It's like, okay, this, this isn't a cutscene anymore. And then it's like, oh, that's not a cutscene. <laughs> right, that fluid transition we have now. Uncharted was the first game. I think where I really noticed how seamless it was. Um, yes, there, there there was no transition. I mean, I've been gaming since I was five, <laughs> and you know, Uncharted. I I actually think the first time I died, I thought I was still supposed to be watching. Right. And then it was like bang, 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 and I'm like, oh crap, that was my <laughs> that was my time to right. yeah. fight. Yeah, I did the same I, thing with like the Resident Evil. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Delay on the Skype. Um, but yeah, I and I guess my the thing I'd point to is is Yoda in Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. And they went and replaced him with the with the CG version. Um there's pretty much like you look at any picture of the new Yoda and it's like, yeah, that's CG. You can see it instant. 
obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I should be able to tell that it's CG. I, I, I think they need to up their game. I think they need to get it together. If it looks like a PlayStation game, which Yoda does in the new films, in my opinion, um, I think it belongs on silver screen. I think someone... And, um, it distracts me. Nothing else. Oh, yeah. Lucas went crazy <laughs> for a he little lost while. He mind there for a little bit. It's okay. And, I mean, you know, it's almost perfect poetry. He, uh, you know, like, you talk about all the reshoots he did with the original trilogy, and then you realize that that was the guy who stood before Congress and argued against Ted Turner being able to colorize black and white movies, that movies are pieces of art and should be preserved. Yeah, exactly. Watching Anakin become Vader in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Says one thing, does another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was not good. I want them to release the original trilogy, like the original. Well, I don't think it exists anymore, does it? The negatives are gone. I see, yeah. Probably. Yeah, Yeah, at this point, if they weren't preserved properly, they would have... Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. There's got to be a laser disc copy somewhere. Something as close to it as possible. I actually had the original trilogy on my computer, and they were the unaltered. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a torrent going around that's something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. Han doesn't do this weird jump over a CG job of the hut. And um, (laughs) he shoots first. Yeah, who shoots first. That's right, yeah. (laughs) And uh, in return, there's no um, horrible Creole weird cartoon Muppet song in the middle of Jabba's Palace. Right, yeah. That breaks my heart every time that scene comes on. It just destroys the believability of it. It's like watching a really good episode of Star Trek Next Gen and then all of a sudden it devolves into Animaniacs. And right, yeah. You just lose, <laughs> you just lose the immersion. I know exactly what you mean, man. You lose the immersion 100%. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes me sad inside. And I think that's sort of cheap. Like, you know, the production values of the original Star Wars films weren't terrific. Like, you can see the brush strokes here and there. But I think that's kind of what adds to it. It's what makes it feel accessible. Yeah. It realness. That I just well, it had up. heart. That's right. Mm-hmm. And everything is perfect, perfect, perfect. It's like you know that's got to be CG. There's no way that can possibly be happening in front of the camera. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, it's going in a direction I don't think it should be going. And I want to see them go back towards the practical side. But having said that, I heard that they did try that in the force. There was actually quite a few practical effects in that film, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. They backed yeah. off the green screen quite a bit, yeah. which is why I think that final lightsaber battle got so much crap. As people are like, it was kind of boring. Well, it was real. Mm. They actually mm-hmm. did the fight. Mm. I love that fight. That's my favorite part of the movie is her fighting Kylo at the end. And like people hated on Kylo Ren. They're like, oh, he's supposed to be this big bad new Darth Vader, and oh, she beats him. And I'm like, first of all. He's still a young adult, if not kind of still a child. He's unstable, and he's never had resistance before. He went from being trained at the Jedi Temple with Luke Skywalker to rebelling like a teenager and running away and joining the Empire. So when he meets Rey for the first time, it's kind of the first time anybody's opposed him with the Force. And, you know, 
I mean, it's new territory. I know I'm not instantly good at dealing yeah. with new situations I've never dealt with before, so I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I actually like the Kylo character. It's good to see one that's, that's conflicted, but organically conflicted. Did his mask serve any like biological purpose? No. No. no it's just a little more like his grandpapa. It will now that she shanked him in the face at the end. As I say, yeah, maybe now that he's <laughs> got his face cut up. Mm. Now, someone once told me they thought Kylo looks like an accountant. <laughs> he, says, he does kind of look like an accountant, doesn't he? Um, he had a three-dimensional term, which I liked. I remember when there was the confrontation with Han and Chewie watching over the bridge. Yes. Would have been two-thirds through. You could see in his eyes there was a there was some thought and some self-reflection. I thought that was good. I thought it was refreshing to see a villain that isn't 100% evil because nobody is in real life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I look at the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he caught that uh, that blaster bolt midair, just held it there while he walked around on Jakku at the very beginning. Mm. I was like, I think I can get behind this guy. I like it. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but it was. It was a beautiful retread of A New Hope, and hopefully mm-hmm. the two episode, the two more episodes making this trilogy, not all the solo movies they're planning on doing, but maybe this trilogy, I don't need to see another giant planet-sized weapon they have to destroy. I don't need, you know, like, I don't, I don't need a retread of the, of the trilogy. Yeah. You know, give me a new one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's all been done better decades ago. Like, why bother trying to, to improve it? And like right. I said, just because it's CG now doesn't make it any better. Um, no. It yeah. takes the heart away from it. I mean, you can tell those were lovingly sculpted models, and I'm more impressed with how they made it look like ships were f- flying through space mm-hmm. with ion engines. Yeah. And they had to make it in a room full of models and lighting effects, and they made it look that good. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing in Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Everything right. is real, it's real light. For one thing, it's it's real mm-hmm. material. Um, your eyes are telling you it's real, and that's a big deal. When exactly. your eyes, it's not real. That's that's not good. I think I think you're going in the wrong direction. You're not like I said. You're not working hard enough to get that CG looking real. Um, it's just yeah. It's like like I said, Yoda. The first time I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's 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 not even in front of the lens, is it? No, it's off-putting. And I think I think that may be why... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I think that may be why the original, or the, the prequel trilogy, you know, it gets... They say that the the actors were so wooden and that the, the, the performances fell flat. Well, I mean, you know, there's acting with people and having organic mm-hmm. reactions. And then there's sitting in a room by yourself with a bunch of half-built props because they're all going to be painted over after. Yep. Right. Trying to give a performance to a, a green wall, a ball, and a stick. Yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> dynamics, does it? No. It's hard That's to wrong. have a real organic acting scene yeah. in a movie when you're interacting with thin air next to you. I remember Hayden Christensen got a lot of flack for his, for mm-hmm. his uh, 
performances. I, I don't know. I, I think it's more about the direction and the screenplay, to be honest with you. Mm. When you listen to the dialogue, it is just awful in the prequels. It's cringy. And blocky and mechanical. People don't talk like that. Um, and it's hard to watch Ewan McGregor going through that because I love mm. the guy's I think he's just an incredible performer, and I desperately want to see a spin-off movie oh, around yeah. him as Obi-Wan. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But, it was the best part of the prequels. Yeah, and they need to get a proper script, and they need to get a proper director, and I think he's going to blow it out of the park. No, he would, for sure. It was one of the best parts of the prequels. Right. Yeah. Watching the young Kenobi. Well, that's, that's what it. conflicts me about the prequels is... I don't like them. I genuinely don't. And it's not in that camp of, you know, like trilogy, original trilogy or prequel. I just don't like them as movies. If that was the first offering for a Star Wars universe, I probably wouldn't have gotten on board. But that scene in Revenge of the Sith, when he tells him, I've got the high ground, you can, mm. Obi-Wan's heartbreaking delivery of the last thing he says to Anakin before he leaves did have me bawling like a baby in the movie theater. That is, out of nine hours of three movies, that five minutes is probably one of my favorite Star Wars moments, which is mm. kind of weird because it's deposited squarely in the, the trilogy that I can't stand. <laughs> but I'm so easy to please. I love the prequels. I mean, they're not... I mean, if you compare them next to the originals, okay, we can't, we can't say they're equal by any stretch of the imagination, but I did love the prequels. I loved the characters, um, mm-hmm. the duels of fates with, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul. Still one of my favorite scenes uh-huh. ever, but you I'm know, fine, cause I saw Phantom Menace for the first time when I was about nine mm-hmm. and you have a different <laughs> opinion of these when you're at that age. And it yeah. was the first horse movie that had come out in a long time. So it was mm-hmm. a big deal. And, um, there was Watto, and there was, like you said, Darth Maul, who I still think is one of the most underused villains in the history of cinema. Most um, definitely. Uh, he needs his own movie for sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, but if I look back at it now, uh, I just think it was so badly written. Qui-Gon Jinn, who is he as a character? If you, th- if you say yeah. to yourself, Solo, you say he's cocky, he's overconfident, uh, who's Qui-Gon Jinn? He's uh, d- uh, he, wise. A Jedi. Uh, yeah. A <laughs> right. Jedi. Who's Padme? Um, uh, you know, like there's, there's just, there's no character writing in the Phantom. Um, no. Mm-hmm. And Jake, you know, people can hate on Hayden Christensen, but Jake Lloyd sucked it Lloyd. hard in that movie. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that poor kid gets so much crap. Whatever, he wasn't any better in Jingle All the Way, dude. He just can't act. I say, why do you think he doesn't act anymore, okay? He left. Let him go in peace. Uh, he was better in Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you a Turbo Man. Uh, the turbo Man. Oh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> God. Speaking of which, where's Sinbad? <laughs> He just yeah. went off and took his bags full of money and went home. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I think he died with the 90s, didn't he? I think a lot of a lot of my childhood died with the 90s. Mm. So I yeah. gotta ask you are you yeah. part of the are you part of the phenomenon 
that is convinced that there was a 90s movie with Sinbad in it where he played a genie? Um, no, I don't know much about this. Sorry, no. Oh, wow, okay, so over here, there's this phenomenon with American kids from the 90s. We are convinced that there was a movie with Sinbad in it where he played a genie. It doesn't exist. But I'm everybody looking it up right now. It exists. I saw no. it. <laughs> everybody has memories of a trailer of this movie, and everybody swears there's no pictures, there's no video, the movie studio, Sinbad himself said it never existed. It's like this crazy phenomenon over here. <clears throat> oh, why? But, yeah, like this giant implanted memory in one generation of people over here who grew up in a certain time who were convinced that there was a Sinbad movie with a genie in it. <laughs> wow. That it was just so bad, they're trying to cover it up. They're trying to pretend it never existed. I know. It's a, it's a vast conspiracy to take away this movie for some reason. I feel I like mean, it holds I'm, the meaning of life in it. It was in New York, wasn't it? Yeah. And he admits to how bad that was. He doesn't pretend it doesn't exist, so I don't know. No. So, did you, uh, speaking of Star Wars, did you ever watch the Ewok movies? <laughs> no. I distinctly no. remember Star Wars, the Christmas special. Oh, yeah, it was stinky and itchy, you know, the Wookiees. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody hitting on B. Arthur for some reason in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's, that was a fraud place. I think that should have been a warning to us of where Lucas could go. <laughs> like, yeah, that's some good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh, man. But I want to be J.J. Abrams. I want to launch all these products or projects and then just walk away from them before they're done but get all the credit for relaunching them, like Lost and Star Trek and Star Wars, and just be like, yeah, I did the first one. But yeah. my name will forever be associated with it. But I'm out. On to the next thing. That's like, it. Yeah. <laughs> it Good up. He's a genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... What what kind of music do you listen to in your spare time? I mean, are there any specific DJs you listen to or some of your favorite bands? Uh, I listen to Grammatic a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Real sort of chill hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to Tycho, listen to Uppermost, a lot of sort of deep house stuff, really deep electronica stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, house music, just in general. Just I've been a house fan since I was 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you guys? I listen to a little bit of everything. Um, right now, I seem to be sticking with heavy metal most of the time. Okay. Um, I kind of kick it around back and forth. I'll For a couple of weeks, I'll listen to heavy metal, and then I'll go back to more dubstep and house music, and then I like country. It's it's a strange dichotomy when it comes to my musical taste. It sounds like it, yeah. you got a mixed bag there. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up... Uh, punk and hardcore and like good hip hop, like Wu-Tang Clan DMX stuff from like the nineties. And then I, I got into the rave scene in Providence, Rhode Island for a little while and started listening to stuff like, um, future sound of London. Um, okay. Kiyoki, uh, uh-huh. orbital. I really liked orbital. I still listen to Halcyon on and on all the time when I'm bored. Uh huh. So, 
But I yeah. listen to the old stuff. <laughs> yeah, you get that way. Uh, yeah, I, I hate what I hear on the radio now. It's so homogenized. It's drivel. It's, yeah, formula and nothing but. A lot of times for me, it ends up being like what you were talking about with the CGI and movies. It's not real. You can yeah. tell that it's altered, whether it's them using auto-tune for days yeah. or it just kind of loses that that heart for me. You know, it's just like, well, okay. It's just the same thing that the other guy did two weeks yeah. ago. Like you said, it's the same formula. It's I just find myself going to Spotify and looking for something either I've never heard before or old school. Yeah, well, my dad used to, when I was a kid, he used to play Dire Straits Brothers in Arms on cassette back in 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 88, because I wasn't born and I wasn't born till 88. But he bought it in 85. And um, now they've got a remastered album. And it's the only version you can buy. I think it was remastered around 1997. And it's on CD. Now, the CD isn't the thing that makes it sound worse. It's the way that they remaster it. It's the way they remix it. They mm-hmm. readjust it. They run it through cleaner equipment. And if you compare the tape of this album to the new remaster, there's, it's nice. Like the original Brothers in Arms album sounds amazing. It just sounds so alive and crunchy and interesting and it's got so much depth. You listen to the remastered version, it's sterile, it's flat, it's too clean, it's too perfect, it doesn't have any life, it doesn't have any character or dynamics. Now, of course, they mush everything to make it as loud, to make every part of the song as loud as possible. Right. But you listen to Money for Nothing, it's got that long, you want to have to turn your speakers all the way up, so that when it does drop, it's like, bam, the ceiling comes off your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know what you mean, man. The old stuff is the best, and I hate it when they remaster it. Yeah, yeah like I, uh, I prefer vinyl. Um, I know that's like a super hipster thing to say, but I have my reasons. Um, well, it, it's not the vinyl that makes it sound different. You, you got to remember, it's, it's if you pressed my stuff to vinyl, it would sound the way it sounds, just maybe with some crackle on it. Right. Um, it, it's to a Ray Charles album that was released. It's it's the release date, really. It's the what right. gear that they used back at tape machines. Remember, they used to do everything on tape machines. They don't even use tape now. But it's the tape that makes it sound like the Beatles. It's the tape that made it sound like Ray Charles, etc. Um, so, but I totally get you. I mean, I love having a physical version of the music. I love having like I've got laser discs. discs. I don't even have a laser disc player. I, I just want the thing like because of the awesome huge album art etc exactly yeah <clears throat> i remember my friend had a blade runner laser disc i'd love to have that oh goodness wow. <laughs> i'd love to have that yeah his dad had like really cool stuff it's the first time i ever played streets of rage 2 was at his house oh nice hell of a game <laughs> what was that one? It's in my top five for my whole life right there. Sweet Rage 2. Uh, that was Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's sir. right. Uh, yeah, that was a console. Did you guys say Sega or Sega? Sega. Sega. Sega, yeah. That's how they would say it in Japan, though. So I think you guys have, the, have it right. 
Um, but yeah, Streets of Rage. Yeah, Genesis was my first ever console. Earthworm Jim, Bubsy. There you uh, Sonic. Go. Oh man, <laughs> Gunstar <laughs> Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Earthworm Jim is the shit. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was genuinely creative, and it had uh-huh. a cart series on TV at some point too. I remember. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. It made it for a little bit. Yeah. And Bubsy did as well. I don't know if you remember Bubsy. Mm-hmm. I do. You do. do you remember? Uh, not a very well-received game, it turns out. <laughs> it's like a yeah. Comic Zone. Do you ever play that? Comic Zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. where you were like in a comic book. Like You would actually transition from panel to yeah. panel on the screen like you were in a book. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. The page would turn at the, the end of the level. Yeah. Oh. Huh. It's like walking through your area in comic book. It was pretty cool. I remember Toad Jam and Earl. Yeah. Toad Jam and Earl. Yeah. What was the second one called? Was it Return to Funkatron or something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, now you make me want to go get a Sega. Revenge <laughs> of Shinobi was the jam on that console. It was. Sonic okay. and Knuckles. Yep. Sonic 3, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was bangers on there, I'll tell you. Yeah. I actually have the soundtrack for Streets of Rage 2 on a file on my computer. Nice. I actually really enjoyed the music in that game. I think that's what made it one of my favorites. Oh, that, opening, that opening tune, when you, before you hit start, just that opening song is uh-huh. as 90s as you can get, but it is so good. <laughs> yeah. And it's got that uh, synthesized, that classic Sega synthesized sound. Yep. I think it was one of the first consoles to use uh, FM synthesis, which is when you take one waveform and modulate it with another. So you can literally create any kind of sound you want. And that's kind of what gave Sega that sound. Um, Super Nintendo, I think, was more sample-based than anything. Kind of like built-in sounds, but yeah. You can get VS. Now you can get virtual instruments for a computer that emulate the, uh, the 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 Sega sound chip and the Super Nintendo sound chip, so you can make tracks using the original Sega sound. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Did you know in Japan they actually had a more advanced version of the Super Nintendo than? I don't know if maybe you guys got it, but I know in the states we didn't. It had an extra chip. The Japanese versions of the games so and changed it all, or did it look the same? I don't know, because I know if you look at the Famicom compared uh-huh. to a Nintendo, yeah. they're vastly different looking machines. Right. So I'm not sure. I just know that I always heard that they had an extra chip over uh, there. Interesting. Wow. That's market, market favoritism for you. Did you guys mm. get the, the Super Nintendo with the colored buttons or the purple buttons? I can't remember this. Purple. Yeah, at least I did. Purple. Yeah. Gray and purple. So who got the one with the color? Because I had a purple one as well. There I've was got a, a third-party controller for my Super Nintendo that's colored. Uh-huh. This is not made by Nintendo. Oh, that's bizarre. That's really. I don't know what I'm talking about. Then I remember that <laughs> it had like the two. It had like the power button and then like a reset button. They were like two horizontal sort of bar buttons that you would slide up and down, and those were purple. Yep. And 
the buttons on the controller were purple too. But for some reason, I'm thinking of an SNES controller with with the red, the blue, the yellow, the green. That was an aftermarket controller. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Uh huh. It does exist. Not, uh, I don't know. You sorry. remember the Super Scope? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get the bazooka. Oh, I remember the Vectrex. The Vectrex. Do you remember this thing? Yeah, yeah. and and then what the mig- the migraine inducing Virtual Boy. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That was that the was... first thing. It's vector graphics, actually. Mm-hmm. It was oh, also right. the first uh, toy that melted my cerebellum when I tried to play with it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so um other than the switch uh what are you playing now have you got the other consoles have you uh, tried for honor or any uh, sold my xbox one elite to, uh, plus my ps4 to get a ps4 pro mm-hmm. because i wanted to see what all this 4k hdr gaming hubbub was all about and the PS4 Pro is basically, it's it's like a triple cheeseburger. You know, if the PS4 is a double cheeseburger, this thing's like a triple. It's like just an extra slab on top to make way for the extra power. And um, I've always kind of preferred PlayStation. I loved the first Xbox. I loved Xbox 360. Don't like Xbox One. Hmm. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I always went with Sony. And this time I went with an Xbox One. You went with the Xbox One. Now, why is that? Because I went with the Xbox One just to play Halo. I had a PS4 first, and I don't know if it was a stability issue, but it kept knocking me off the network. And everything's so network dependent, it was almost an unplayable console. So I brought it back, and I thought I'd give the Xbox One a try, and I've had it ever since. I mean, I, I like it. I have had no issues with it whatsoever. Uh-huh. I was, but you know what's funny is anybody who knew me before I got my one, I would rail in video game stores, giving unwanted opinions about how much the 360 sucked. Because I traded, I traded a, a PS2 with Guitar Hero and two guitars to a friend for his 360, right? And I'm a grown man at this point. It was just he had one, and I wanted to try it. I had never had the the three, or the PlayStation Three or the 360 yet. Because I got a family, so I game on a on a very stringent budget. They matter more than my than my digital crack. <laughs> so I yeah. traded him uh, my PS2, which is my favorite console ever, and got the 360 and played Fear, mm-hmm. and it lasted about a month. And then I got red ringed, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, Microsoft bullcrap." Mm. So you're that guy at GameStop. That gives me the advice I didn't ask for. Yeah. About the game that I'm going to buy anyway. I've got three game cases in my hand to turn around and start telling people, you don't want that game. You want this game. This game's good. Your game's garbage. Yeah. And they're like, do you work here? And you're like, no. I just have <laughs> social problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I was buying a Bluetooth speaker the other day. And it was the good one. It's the one that I bought myself. And I just turned to him and I said, you know, man, that's the good one. You're making the right choice there. Because, you know, sometimes you just feel the need to, like, I don't know, affirm to people they're buying the right thing or they're buying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So people just, you know, the salesman is there just to make the sale. But 
that yeah. people like me, we're there to make sure you know the good stuff is being sold, the good games, the good consoles, etc. So <laughs> exactly, it's a whole different Absolutely. outlook. Yeah, consumer versus um, store clerk. Hmm. I just have fun um, taking games away from kids. When you're in GameStop and you look at the mom, you're like, that has so many cuss words and boobies in it. And the mm. kids just look at you with that betrayal. Yeah. And the mom, you can see the look <laughs> in their face. Like, I'll be outside waiting on you. Yeah. You better watch those kneecaps when you come outside. But, I mean, I've got kids. So when I see a 10-year-old kid trying to, like, swindle his mom that Grand Theft Auto Five is not as bad as she's heard, oh, I'm yeah. kind of like, look. Your kid does not need to know that these are behaviors that some human beings take part in. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. I would agree. I, there's got to be an age limit on something like GTA Five. I'm sounding like an old man all of a sudden, but yeah, I agree with you. Man, but yeah, you man. guys, you guys have trouble getting games, though, right? Isn't Australia really big on? Yeah, yeah, we got games. When Left for Dead Two came out, um, we people were gutted that. Almost all the gore had been taken out of this game, and you know Left for Dead too. When you go hacking through a crowd of zombies, there's blood everywhere. Mm. It's gore. possibly the goriest game I've ever seen. And then it comes out in Australia. There's no blood, there's no gore, and the corpses disappear after a few seconds. <laughs> and, uh, there was a huge outrage about this. It's like you know, I bought this with my money. I looked at the trailer. I'm 20 years old or 25. I'm old enough to play this. Why? Do we have a nanny government telling me what I can and what I should and shouldn't put into my head? Um, mm-hmm. it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So I think we now have a rating system for games like Left 4 Dead 2. I think there is now an R. I think. I don't think we get into the censorship as badly as we used to. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I just know during like the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 ever, era, seeing a lot of articles go by like, oh, this game was banned in... This country. It was usually Australia. If it was something like really violent or uh, had a lot of content, it was like, I bet their black market for video games is amazing over there. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's well, making a killing. It's play the role of parent, isn't it? Mm. It's all government stepping in to compensate for lack of good parenting. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. That's what it, we've got now. It's fun. Oh, it's happening there, is it? Oh, yeah, we are nanny-stated like crazy. Do we got kids that when they're at school and they go to recess, they're not allowed to touch each other, so tag is out. Dodgeball is out. Racing is out because somebody's going to lose, and it may make them feel sad inside. No. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's bad. It's bad. The biggest rights that are being fought for is, like, my ability to tell you what I feel like today, and you have to believe it. Even if I have my full goatee and my unshaved stubble, today I'm a girl, and you darn better best believe me and get out of my way because I'm going to use that bathroom. Uh, that's the SJW culture by the sounds of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm just – everybody just go back to leaving everybody else the crap alone. Like, I don't – I won't get in your stuff. You don't get in my stuff. Don't dictate to me what I should accept. Yeah. Uh. That's intolerant. It is bad. I mean, they just had a freedom Sorry, of speech yeah. rally at UC Berkeley, uh-huh. which turned into full-on <laughs> people getting beat the crap out of and stuff set on fire again. And it's like, these are like rich white college kids acting like the most oppressed mm-hmm. 
minority you've ever seen, and mm-hmm. you just want to laugh at them. You know, when they're like, "Down with the system," and "Down with capitalism." As I tweet you on my iPhone, drinking my Starbucks, wearing my UGG boots. You know? <laughs> yeah. They ironically started a, a, a protest about free speech and rights to stop somebody from speaking at the mm-hmm. school. Uh-huh. I don't know if they saw the irony in that or not. You know, that's why I would send my kids to school, is not to learn maths or English, or because, you know, you don't really learn stuff until you get into university, I don't think. Um, right. I think I'd send my kids to school to grow a spine and to develop character yeah. and mm-hmm. to learn how people work and how the world works. The first primary school I went to in New Zealand, rough as guts. I got thrashed so much that I turned into a bully and I would do the thrashing in the end until my balls dropped and I changed 100% as a person. But back then, you know, it was okay for kids to, to make contact. It was okay to speak your mind. And, you know, if you lost a race, like you said, then that was your incentive to win the next race, you know. Um, exactly. Crazy. Opportunity, I believe in, but equal outcomes. Um, where do you even begin tackling that problem? You don't Make because sure everybody gets the same trophy. That's yeah, it. exactly. You don't because that's not the way the world works. That's the way the world works. No. You raise a nation of Humpty Dumpties that throw themselves off of walls instead of falling off of them for the rest of their life. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I, just so, I, don't, yeah. I don't raise my kids like that. And um, I love them. And my kids know they're loved, but they are not coddled like mm-hmm. other kids. And, you know, like my daughter uh, wanted to learn how to ride a bike. And uh, no helmet, no pads, and took the training wheels off before she even got on it. And I work, But I worked with her all day. I put in the time and the work as a father. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have video of her riding that thing like a banshee at uh, the park in less than a day. Never had training wheels, no pads, well, no uh, helmet. <laughs> and it's, But, you know, like, I think me... Me, you, and Steps, we were like one of the last generations to actually be allowed to be children and be raised as children and play like children. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think humanity's lost a lot with this politically correct social justice, you know, coddling and I'm okay, you're okay, and there are no yeah. moral absolutes. And, yeah, you know, it's there's a lot that's been lost, you know. Yeah, but we can get what, it back. Yeah, I don't know. You guys had sixty million people there vote Trump into the White House, so <laughs> I would say there's no hope. I'd say there's a lot of hope. I'd say there's a lot of people out there who are tired of this nannying culture where you can't say or think or do anything without trotting on someone's thought or feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say you know Trump's the Sam Harris I would have voted for, or the Christopher Hitchens I would have voted for, or the Richard Dawkins I would have voted for. But the guy does have a pair of balls, and you know when you, when you go telling sixty million people you're deplorable, you're despicable, you're moronic uh, for having these opinions, how do you expect people are going to react? I think the left is is responsible for the environment in which Trump is even possible. Oh, they definitely created him. And, of course, to be called deplorable by a woman who has a higher body count behind her than most World War II snipers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's crazy, man. 
I got Jay on politics. We're all in trouble now. Yeah. We're, yeah, that's right. Put the shit <laughs> no, man, it's all about freedom. We were created free thinking, free thinking mm. beings. And um, it always it. seems to be, yeah, it always seems to be some form of government than another. I always say it this way. Two people can have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Five people can have a great conversation, but one person's opinion is going to be different. Ten mm-hmm. people in a room and somebody's going to have to be in charge. Anything over that, and everybody thinks they have to be led by somebody. I don't understand that aspect of human nature. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, really interesting point. It reminds me of tax. It makes me think of tax because someone told me once there has to be a better way than giving someone else the right to take half of your money from you at gunpoint. Yeah. And I kind of sort of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I don't know what that way is, but I get what you mean. It's like the moment a crowd reaches a certain size, everyone becomes sheep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more people you add, the collective IQ just decreases rapidly, and it you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I mean, it's just sad. I, I don't understand people thinking that they need the government to take care of them. Yeah, I mean, some of our biggest advances as human beings has come from independent thought, has come from deviation from mm-hmm. the norm and from committee, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like George Lucas, we were just talking about, um, he wasn't in a science fiction school teaching him how to make the next big Star Wars, the next big sci-fi hit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> it's the independent thinkers that make it. And I think we have a discouraging that. It's one of the things I don't like about public school. It's, I don't think it's ever been about helping children to discover themselves. I think it's always been about helping them to conform into known mm-hmm. chances of success. Yeah. And My, <clears throat> go ahead. I, of course, I didn't fall into one of those channels, and I, did, I turned out all right. <laughs> exactly. No, um, my, my father-in-law always puts it as um, the advent of the public school system, at least over here, was to educate people just enough because the Industrial Revolution had just happened. And people needed to know just enough math and yep. just enough writing and just enough English to operate machinery or repair it when it breaks down. And that's right. what the public school system was actually built on, was that's how right. to create a good worker. And we haven't really evolved past that. Now it's um, it's just indoctrination 101, no matter what yeah. level of school you're in. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the conveyor belt. It's got to put the kids one, two, or three. That's right. Yeah, it makes another brick in the wall mean a heck of a lot more these days. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Dude, those yeah. masks on those kids scared the crap out of me when I was younger. They still scare the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Masks? Oh, yeah. Is that sorry? Uh, no, Pink Floyd in the wall. Oh. When they have oh. all the students with that weird, yeah, yeah. everybody looks the same smudged face with no mm-hmm. identity. Scared the uh, crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. It's all your fault. You're welcome. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting, though, because uh, so many people I've spoken to, and on podcasts like this as well, agree with me that we are, I think, culturally losing our interest in individuality and thoughts. Most okay. people I talk to, anyway, seem to agree with that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So how public education is a product of the opposite. And why is it so normalized that children are filed into columns A, B, C, or D instead of um, being guided to find themselves and their own path and to find their own happiness, right? Uh, Is it really just a simple case of economics? Is it expensive to do that? Is it? I'm probably, I would think there is an argument for that. It's just more cost-effective to file kids into a into a series of columns. Um, Especially because here, at least in America, it seems that we have that problem with funding. Um, I I live in Oklahoma, which is one of the worst states for public education. <coughs> Excuse me, but yeah, sending my kids to school here and what I remember going to school when I lived in I lived in Washington D.C. I lived in Dallas, Texas, places like that. And yeah, I'm just like no this. I end up sitting down a lot and having to go through history with them. Or my wife is a nurse, and so she's big into science, so she'll sit down and talk with them about that. But, mm. yeah, when the funding is so bad and we're so worried about funding all these other programs that we just kind of let the kids go to the wayside, and then they argue that they don't have enough money for the education and for the special classes. It's like, well, we have money for everything else under the sun. Why can't we? figured this out. Yeah. Well, it's the teachers' union. Most of that money that goes to the school system goes to pensions and benefits and, mm-hmm. you know, different things. I know, I mean, <clears throat> our whole Department of Education is actually a completely unconstitutional entity, like most of what our federal mm-hmm. government is right now. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a self-serving machine at this point the the kids aren't even a consideration because here in atlanta um in the city of atlanta the schools are failing miserably and they get funded more than the outlying schools and the places that aren't in the city the suburbs get half the funding but produce twice the result so i mean it's yeah it's, it's weird but i think it's far more sinister than that the way public education homogenizes children. I think it's okay to let a few people rise to the top, but it's hard to control a population that has its own sense of rugged individuality. You need sheep. And it's okay to have, you know, four or five rams in a flock, but the most of them need to be sheep or else they become very hard to contain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's just yeah. my, you know, old man living in the woods. <laughs> in a van down by the river. An educated public is a government's worst enemy. Exactly. Mm. Absolutely. But I think... Uh, so what do you... Oh, sorry, Jay, go ahead. I was going to say, but I think, like you said, um, watching the election, and you're right, he wasn't my first choice either, but um, mm. he was better than what we could have had here at least. Um, So, I mean, I think people did speak. The the level of of continued disbelief um, on the left here, I mean, being big on Twitter, 
like I am. Not being mm-hmm. like follower wise, but I'm always on it and promoting our stuff and looking around and talking yeah. to people. That's how I found you to invite to be on. Um, yeah. Watching all these voice actors and celebrities that I've adored their body of work for years, including like Mark Hamill and Tara Strong, these people that are beloved for their work, watching them just be the ugliest, meanest people 24 hours a day now. Mm. It's so disheartening. Like, I don't know. It's yeah, That's the problem with social media. You're, you're emptying your drawer out the window all the time. Uh, isn't it bad? Like, we finally have the ability to talk to anybody. And with the internet, we have the entire collective history and education of man, the most amount of access to data since the burning of the libraries of Alexandria. And we use it to call each other names, talk about what we're going to do to each other's moms, and send pictures of cats. Okay, don't forget the cat videos. Yeah, it's not a platform for discussion anyway. It's a platform for getting likes and thumbs up on your self-image. Like, yeah. You don't look in a mirror now and go, yep, that's me, I love who I am, or I'm going to learn how. Uh, you just pull out a phone and you say, oh, great, I got 26 likes on my Instagram photo today. Brilliant. That's all I need. It's uh, your self-image, I think, self-worth is now in your iPhone, is now in your, your smartphone, in your pocket. Because Isn't that Twitter. heartbreaking? Like, uh, I hate it, yeah, and I can't. I've said this on a few shows. I'm repeating myself a bit. I hate it when people pull it out in front of me as if that is now more important than the human connection I'm trying to have with you in person. You know, like likes and thumbs up have become more validating and more assuring than hugs and face-to-face conversations. People just want those little icons that release those endorphins, I'm correct, I'm good. You know, we were just tugging on our mother's dress now like we used to when we were toddlers. Oh, my back. God. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Yeah, it's like we're a planet of hollow men. Mm. Yeah. My self-image <laughs> is wrapped into something that doesn't actually exist, but it's become exactly. everything to me. Exactly. Yeah, it's a problem. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm on Instagram still a lot. I have to confess, um, I'm trying. I, I haven't touched Facebook in the longest time because it's. I think it's just a torrent of memes and gifs. Anyway, I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then, like Twitter is an interesting one because it is kind of your own personal newspaper, as I think Trump put it put, him, put it himself once. And yeah, tempting. It's tempting to kind of throw people your stances on things and then watch the likes come back and you go, oh, that's interesting. There are people out there who, who agree with me. I Now I feel valid in my beliefs and I think that becomes a trust. It does. It's like, you know, you hear about that phenomenon with people who direct movies that they become very out of touch with the people around them because they're viewing the entire world through a lens. Then hmm. they spend the majority of their time looking at things separated from them through a lens. Right. That's pretty much all people do now. That's it. Yeah. I have 5,000 friends. No, you really don't. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, people like us and and you, especially with how much content creation you have going out, being an independent artist like you are, I mean, of course you're going to be on there. And, 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 but that serves the functional purpose. So, I mean, you know, I don't think it's, saying one thing and doing another by saying that. I mean, we're on Facebook to promote, you know. That's right. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. It, exactly. It's all in what you do with it. I mean, you can yeah. you can drive a car and get yourself to work, or you could take it and drive through a crowd of people. It's it's a tool, and it's all in what you yeah. do with it. Unfortunately, when it comes to social media and the internet, I think everybody just likes to drive into a crowd of people screaming, "Look at me!" Look at me! Yeah, while like, their hair's on fire. I, yeah, I think for it, a business. Uh, sorry, so, uh, for a business or artist now, it's almost a necessary evil. I mean, if you don't have an online presence at all for um, you know, whether whether it is a business or music or movies, you might as well just not exist. People mm. spend so much time mm. on their phone or online that, uh, yeah, sometimes I just want to kind of take my smartphone and throw it into a river and just walk away. Yeah, I do think it fosters narcissism for sure. And um, mm-hmm. I am quite sick of having conversations with the backs of smartphones, getting a little bit over it. I'll actually uh, knock them out of people's hands. Oh yeah. If, it, well, yeah. not not like on the street, but like if I'll people are, are no, if people are over, we have friends over, or you know, my kids or somebody, we're sitting and they're talking and they're talking down to this. They get mad at me, but I will. I'll lean over and knock it out of their hands onto the couch. Uh-huh. And be like, hi, you know, like hey, yeah. as a human being I'm over here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, My no. daughter turns 10 this year, and we ended up getting her a phone so that she could call, like, at school or from school after <laughs> if she needed anything and stuff like that. And when she's at home, I just hold my hand out. It's like, go ahead, give it to me, and I'll take your phone. Because if I don't, I saw her starting to just sit on it all the time. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't going to happen. Just give me the phone. You can have it when you go somewhere. That's about yeah. it. I mean, it is different from video games, though, right? Because (laughs) my parents were like, you know, you're on that game all the time. Why don't you go out and and spend time with your friends? Like, I'm thinking there, we are kind of seeing a crossover there. Mm -hmm. Thinking, is social media just a next step in evolution? Um, Or is it just objectively worth... Because um, video games, I think, went through a similar history. It's yeah. been criticized, I think, in similar ways. What do you think nice. is the key difference there between that and, like, sitting on Facebook? I think when you played video games, you were engaging in something. You were using your brain to solve puzzles, strategies. You were learning something, hand-eye coordination, uh, reflexes, thought processes. Mm-hmm. Especially when you played older games, some of those games were impossible. Yeah. Especially if, if you were young when you played them, and it's like you know, playing through Zelda and having to think out the strategy of how I'm going to get through this dungeon, how how I'm going to beat this boss, or in Metroid, you know, yeah, dying eight thousand times to the same boss and finally getting its its move set down, getting its strategy down. Mm-hmm. And that and when you sit on Facebook, all I can think to myself is, why am I still doing this? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's two different types of immersion. One has a purpose. Mm-hmm. You're working towards a goal. Yeah. And the other one is, like we were talking about earlier, it's creating this fictional self-image of yourself. It's, I don't, I don't 
calculate self-worth to any game I've played. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make me feel loved or unloved, popular or unpopular to play a game. But social yeah. media gets in your brain and starts creating these false feelings, emotions, and yeah. hopes and insecurities. And I, I think that's the difference is one is immersive towards a goal. The other one is mm-hmm. immersive where you're just creating a false sense of yourself. Yeah, you're seeking yourself in other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is something, I think that's a problem we've always had as a human civilization. But I, mm-hmm. at the same time, I think social media is, is taking it to the next level. I think it is making it worse. Is it part of what we talked about earlier to where, you know, give everybody the same trophy? Yeah. That the, the video game requires a goal. That it is working towards something that's hard. I think that's why games have gotten easier. I think that's why I love Dark Souls so much, because it is just impossible at times, and you fight the same boss a thousand times. That's right. I miss that difficulty. Yeah, it's an outlet for yourself. Like, if Mm -hmm. you're going through tough times and you're just not succeeding in anything, you know, I at least will bust open Bloodborne, and I'll go out that box thousand times if I have to because I need that success I need that personal victory for myself it's one of the reasons that I got the PlayStation 4 was so that I could play Bloodborne because I've beaten all the other Souls games and was uh-huh. I to play Bloodborne no but I'll go buy an entire system so that I can die a million times I'd say it's worth it I'd say it's it worth was. it it's worth every penny of it love a title yeah genuinely terrifying <laughs> yes that's really- one thing it has over Dark Souls I heard it's really good if you like Lovecraft. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yes. sure, yes. Yeah, very, very much. Yeah, um, yeah. The the game that came out not long ago, Neo, N I O H, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, very often criticised as being a Bloodborne slash Dark Souls wannabe, and I can certainly see the argument, but it does not have the atmosphere of Dark Souls mm-hmm. Three. It does not have the living, breathing world. Of Bloodborne, that sense that if I walk around this corner, I'm going to encounter Satan himself, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it, <laughs> or his it, pet bird. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the designing in that thing, but in Neo, it's there's nowhere near the same sense of impending doom or um, otherworldliness. Like you said, Lovecraft. There's none of that in Neo. Uh, Lords yeah. of the Fallen tried to get on the Dark Souls train too, and it was decent, uh, but it didn't have any. It, you know, it wasn't, um, no pun intended, it didn't have any soul. It's uh-huh. basically just, it didn't have the, the immersion factor for me. And I've played Souls games and I've played Lords of the Fallen. And it's uh, it's very much, uh, well, I'm going to go into this extremely overbalanced fight against me. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have the same drive to do this. Uh-huh. Yeah. 70 times 7. I'm just, mm-hmm. this thing yeah. killed me. I'm going to rage quit. Screw this game. I'm going to play something else. Whereas That's the Souls cool. games, you're like, you know what? Screw you, Atlas. I'm getting through this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I always felt like I was overcoming my fear, overcoming my fears in Bloodborne. Because yeah. every creature you fight, you know what it is. It just, it freaks you out. It, it, cha- it, it challenges so many parts of your brain at once. Um, yeah, yeah. It's almost psychologically as difficult. It kind of reminds me of uh, PT, 
that demo that came out on PS4. No, see, I had my PS4 when PT was out. That was amazing. That was interesting, right? Uh, I don't know what we're talking about. What is uh, it called? PT. The letters PT. And a one, of the, one of the biggest heartbreaks in gaming um, to come around in a long time, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro were actually partnered up to make a Silent Hills game. They made a tech demo called PT that you can't get anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, I remember uh, the game that they were working on. They killed the game, and Sony decided to pull PT out of the store. So you, I don't even think you can get it anymore. No. Oh. And, it and it was, was uh, absolutely incredible. Such a short, simple thing, but it is possibly the most psychologically traumatizing uh, video game I've ever played. Just like that thing works on your psyche, that game. I don't know how. Mm but it is amazingly well done. You can say what you want about Biohazard, the new Resident Evil that's come out. Also good. Not sure it's up there with PC, though, for me personally. It, <coughs> it was good, and you could definitely see the PT influence on it, but no. Oh, if, can. Could you imagine a full Silent Hills game built like that one demo? My God. I don't you know. Like I've missed something in my life now. <laughs> it would have been a, a game to poop yourself to. We'll put it that way. Oh, God, yeah, uh, yeah. Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, do you have anything coming up? Um, any appearances out here in the states at all? I wish I could get to the states, man. I don't know if you guys are aware. I'm banned. Uh, I am. I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm banned from uh, entering the U.S. until 2021 on account of a visa mishap. Um, so I can't get back there for a few years, unfortunately. Uh, in the meantime, I'm just playing shows in Australia at the moment. I've got Sydney coming up at the Vivid Festival. I'm going to be doing three nights there and uh, a couple of shows here Hello? in Perth. And I play some shows in the U.K. Hey. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah. So, well, so what is it, 2021? 2021, I... Uh, I can get back, supposedly, but the administration has changed now, and a friend of mine who used to work at the DHS has said the staff has totally revolved there as well, so I'm okay. um, not sure if I'll even get back then. We'll see. We'll see. I have a feeling I could fly to Mexico and just get over the border and no one would give a damn. <laughs> probably. Oh, no, not at all. It'd probably be a lot easier. Probably be easier, yeah. Well, at least right. for now. For now. Apparently, uh, uh, we're going to build some sort of dome around ourselves and uh, basically become a snow globe country where none of the poor, 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 impoverished immigrants can come uh, in the, the wrong way. Hey, at least we got you know, plenty of snowflakes to make this snow globe work. Exactly. Donald's dome. Yeah, Donald's dome. <laughs> That's so stupid. I, I don't understand the defense for... But that, like yours, was what? It was just a paperwork mix-up, right? You just used the wrong thing, or had the wrong visa. In fact, I'm not sure I even had a visa. Making money there, yeah, that was the mistake. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like, you know, whatever. If you can get back here, though, we'll throw you a big old party. There you go. Oh, man, yeah. No, I'll I'll say it. I've always said it. You guys throw the best shows there I've ever seen. People climb on stage just to just to party with you. And you guys 
you know, people bring poppers, people bring uh, all sorts of crazy. There, there were kids like robo tripping or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow, robo tripping! I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'll suspect it one way or the other. Yeah, the rave yeah. culture in uh, in New England. I'm originally from Boston, so the rave culture in Providence, Rhode Island, was was an interesting thing to be a part of in like the late '90s. Oh, it was very. Yeah. Very interesting place to be. I'll bet. Like, you you get weird invitations like bring a purple egg to this house, and then you'll get your next thing. Yeah, they would throw like these completely underground raids, and there were like three or four key things, like a scavenger hunt you had to get to get your invite. And Rough. yeah, Dude. it wasn't just like oh this dude's spinning here, pay ten bucks at the door and get in. Like the really good ones were like bring a purple egg and a crow feather to this restaurant and then take a to-go menu from there and get here and da-da-da. And then you'd end up like either in a, like a mass transit tunnel underground or somewhere on a beach, like a private beach. So it was like, basically you had to earn the invite, but it paid off because it was like a really good DJ. And Uh yeah, it was, some of them were weird, man. It sounds like that party that Tom Cruise has to get into in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. I call that movie uh, Mouths Yawn Wide. That is the most boring movie for me, anyway. It does, yeah. (laughs) Kubrick pushed the envelope. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. I wasn't a huge fan of Full Metal Jacket, personally, but I loved, obviously, The Shining. The Shining and Clockwork Orange. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. In 2001. Clockwork Orange, man, I'd never seen anything like that. I was... Whew, I actually went out and bought the book Like after. I was like, I, I need to get the full experience yeah. of whatever the crap I just watched was. Yeah. Malcolm was McDowell, man. Book. All yeah. right. Um, my Crazy. computer is going to take a dive on us. So. Nope. Okay, man. Um, no, it's, it's so good you, to uh, catch up with you guys finally. We've got a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We need to have you back on, dude. Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, sincerely. Anytime you see, uh, anytime you got free time, you reach out and uh, we'll make it happen, dude. Awesome, man. So where whereabouts does this go up? It'll be on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Terrific. Awesome, man. Now that sounds fantastic. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. Yeah, man. It was Thank awesome. You. Yeah, like Sick. I said, I, if you, uh, you got to watch Rogue One and get back on and we'll, we'll chat yeah, about that a little you. deeper. Guys have inspired me to go watch Rogue and then we'll have some conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, shoot Absolutely. us a message uh, after you yeah. watch it, and we'll, we'll, we'll schedule it and make it happen. I'll watch Most it twice. There you go. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's All right, it. man. Thanks, guys. I'll talk again in the near future. Thanks All for right. having me again. All right. Oh yeah. no, man, it was awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Later. Later. See ya. All right, guys. Well, that was us talking with DJ Pogo. From Australia, I, I love his accent, Jay. I love it so much. Yeah, it was awesome. He where he's from always reminds me of um, the Dark Tower books because it's you know one of the biggest continuing lines through that series is you know so fell Lord Perth. Mm-hmm. And every time I see the word Perth, that I always think about the Dark Tower books because you know that's what I do. But yeah, man, I mean we ran the gamut with him. That was awesome. I love having guests that are that open especially ones willing to come back on so when he watches rogue one oh yeah yeah y'all we will have him back on 
Yeah, we're going to have some fun then. We're going to talk all about the goodness that was Rogue One. Most definitely. So thank you for tuning in. and uh, Thank you for listening to this long episode. I promise it was worth it for us. I hope it was worth it for you guys. Most definitely. And remember, uh, write us a five-star review. And once we see him coming in, uh, we'll start handing out those uh, Steam keys for the demo to Mutant Football League. Yes. And then you can play with us and probably beat me online because I'm not very good playing on my computer. (laughs) All right, guys. Till next time, this is us making the world a better place. One nerd at a time. See you guys. See you next week. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.